prepare, respond, serve. This is the Five Stone Podcast, where the Five Stone Pro Staff brings you years of real-world professional experience from the front line. Let's do this. All right, guys, we are back at it here with Five Stone. This is our Trauma Talks. This is episode three with Brandon Johnson, one of our Five Stone Pro staff. I'm going to go ahead and bring over um, Brandon Johnson, who's going to be uh, with us today here. Um, he is going to be giving you our Trauma Talks uh, story for today, and we're going to go into what Trauma Talks really is and how um, it impacts so many people. Brandon? Brother, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, thanks for having me, man. That was a very long intro, and I apologize, but I felt like it needed to be said to kind of understand, let people understand what we're doing. So, uh, man, you got to get that message out there. So anyway, man. So trauma talks. Uh, we just went over all that of what it really means, what it's for, and how it impacts the front line. You know, you've got a perspective from both sides that some of us here at Five Stone don't have. You have. The, the traumatic experiences that you've seen from the military, you've got the traumatic experiences that you suffered in the civilian life here on U.S. soil, you've got both of them. And I know, I don't want to give stuff away because you've told me so much before we've had some in-depth conversations, but I guess maybe kind of start off and give an overview of, about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what you've done, and then we'll kind of get into the uh, traumatic side of things. Uh, so uh, I'm Brandon Johnson. Um, you know, I'm kicking down the door now of the big two one being a paramedic. I've served in multiple different roles from military to civilian, uh, both in rural EMS and more of a metro setting. Um, you know, extended transport times in, in the rural EMS, uh, 45 minutes plus with patients to um, in more of a metro setting, you know, where 15, 20 minutes. Uh, was a long transport. Um, you know, uh, I've worked for services that done 10,000 calls a year with uh, three, you know, three boxes. I've worked for services that, you know, run 12 trucks and 25,000 calls a year. Um, currently, I'm, I'm serving as a contractor to the U.S. Army. Um, well, you know, Eric, I uh, so that's, that's me, uh, me in a nutshell. Um, you know, I, I don't like to, I'm not the guy to talk about myself, so to speak. And a lot of that is because of my past experiences. Right. Um, you know, man, I, I'm, my big problem is not, um, my, my, and I, I don't like, you know, we, we've talked about this numerous times. I don't like post-traumatic stress disorder I, I i don't like that um because that refers to something in your in your past and and this yeah. is something that that your first responders out there your er physicians your er nurses i mean even units you know your unit nurses and unit doctors they're, yeah. they're having to relive this day in and day out so right. I, there's nothing post about it um but you know that's that's a little bit about me um and i'm just i'm just glad to be here man i appreciate it man and you're and you you've said exactly right the term post-traumatic stress syndrome in my opinion 
And yes, I'm a medical provider, I'm a nurse practitioner, but I don't hold the authority to just create my own diagnosis, right? But in my opinion, that is not the diagnosis that needs to be termed for your frontline workers. I term it recurrent traumatic stress adaptation. Right there. Because it's not post, because we live it every single day until we retire and we take a total different career path or else we just retire. And it's not a disorder for either side, military or the front line here on home soil. It's an adaptation. Because well, in my opinion, they, whenever they, I look at a disorder, I look at something like diabetes. Maybe I look at hypertension. Maybe I look at whatever it might would be, congestive heart failure, or you know, coronary artery disease, epilepsy. All these things, you look at these disorders that people have. But this is a condition that we choose to be in. And it impacts us a certain way. And we need to flip that script in our brain and learn to adapt to that just so we can function. What's your thoughts on that? I 100% I agree, man. You know, it, we've talked about this in, in pretty vivid detail, you know, in, in past talks. And I believe that it, it only becomes post-traumatic stress when you hang up the badge, when you hang up your scrubs, you know, when, when, when the, you know, the buggy or, or the engine that you're working or the, you know, the cop car that you're, you're having to check into for 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when, when you give up being in service to your fellow man is when it's going to become post-traumatic stress. That every day when you punch in that recurring stress is what that is. And, and, and I thought, you know, again, uh, I'm just a lonely old paramedic here, but I, I believe there needs to be considerable more research put into your frontline workers. You know, but I don't see you as a lonely old paramedic. I see you as somebody that's got so much experience with, you know, the military and then so much experience on the front line. And you kind of bring something unique to the table it's kind of like what Renee Blackaby brought on her on our first trauma talks is like you bring it from both sides and what I've begun to see as a pattern is why do people from the military seem to choose career paths that have the same repeated stress like a lot of your guys maybe your girls from the military they be like oh I want to go be a firefighter I want to be a first responder I want to be a cop I want to be a medic I want to be an EMT I want to be a nurse and they want to have that that stress after they've already had so much stress. What, why? What's your thoughts? Uh, so, so the stress is a byproduct. First off, you know, you, you you take these people that are, you know, Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard. You know, for however long they serve, whether it's four years, you know, eight years, retire in twenty, and then then go into it what's the one thing that they had while they were in uniform camaraderie camaraderie yeah and 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 so you you take these people that have signed on the dotted line raised their right hand okay and when when they're in uniform they know they've got brothers and sisters backing them up okay when they come into being civilian you know into the civilian world 
that's what they're going to levitate towards. And, 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 you know, the whole firehouse camaraderie, you know, um, brothers in blue, you know, that, that's what pushes, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that's what pushes uh, prior service members into public service. But let's, camaraderie. Dig, but let's dig a little bit deeper, though. But, but why? Why do you think they want to have that camaraderie? I know they had it before, but if they're not in a combative situation, what's so important now? Well, you're, tra- you're, you're trading one disruptive environment for another. Okay. First off, okay. Uh, now, all the vets out there don't don't cut my throat for saying that, but but that's essentially what you're doing. Is is you know yes, you are you are going into service because you know generally put that caveat in there that your partner on that truck or your partner in the cruiser right behind you going to a call or you know in 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 an ER setting you know every person there generally mm-hmm. has your back no matter what comes down the pipe you know no no matter if it's if it's a cardiac arrest or if you have some drunken disorderly that that wants to throw hands you know you are not going into that battle alone so do you think it's something that is those people who have been in a situation, they're coming into this situation, they're intentionally choosing something stressful. My, my, my thoughts are, is it something because they feel like they're capable of handling it when other people may not be? Or is it something to where they're thinking, hey, um, I want this because they've got a camaraderie and subconsciously that person still needs that. What do you think? You know, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself. And, you know, handling stressful situations was something I could do from a young age, you know. Um, and the whole reason I got into it was for the camaraderie. You know, I, I needed that replacement, if that makes sense. It does. You know, I, I, I needed... I needed, well, like yourself, you know, I needed somebody in my professional life that no questions asked, I knew 100% had my back. Because at the end of the day, that's all we've got. So I want to kind of get into the, the, I guess, the, the meat and the potatoes here for Trauma Talks. So we've, I, I'm sure you have a whole lot more than one story, and I would love to have you on to share as many as you're comfortable sharing. And for you viewers out there, I have no idea what Brandon's getting ready to share. I don't ask people prior to what they're going to share. It's, it, I, I just don't feel like that's the right way to do it. Now, some people want to share something. I've gotten text messages and stories that people have shared and want me to read it because they don't feel comfortable even speaking about it or don't think maybe they can make it through telling the story because it's that hard to share. So for you frontline workers out there, Brandon's going to tell a story. And it's going to be difficult. Again, this is not for Brandon to get sympathy. This is not for us to get attention. It's not for us to make money. This is not for anything like that. This is a relation. We want you all to know that you're not alone, that we are there. We suffer the same way. 
and that there's there's methods of adaptation and coping and resources out there you know for you guys so man feel free whatever you want to say however you want to say it and i'm not i'm not your judge you know me brother i got you back 100 percent and I don't. I don't know that you want to just give me free will here, buddy. It's 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 raw and unfiltered. <laughs> I don't know. There's I don't know if there's kids watching or not. So you may want to watch that. But anyway, no. We'll 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 keep it. Uh, we'll keep it PG. Thirteen. Um, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. You know, when when you sift back through years of you know just bad calls and 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 try to pick what's the worst you know for me at least it, it like we talked about earlier it always turns back to to pediatrics you know um and for the longest time man after this one call um and you know still have some problems today but but luckily i've got i've got good friends like yourself and and the other members of, of five stone that I can talk to about it, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, a better half that, you know, serves and, and she, she knows the struggles. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I say all that because when I worked this call, um, I didn't know how to talk to my coworkers about it. And I woke up one morning and I had to roll this little girl out of bed before I could even get up. Oh, man. And that, that's the only way I know how to put it. So long story short, um, set the tone. You know, um, we get toned out for a two-vehicle NBC um, with, with entrapment. And me and my partner uh, get on scene. And a um, SUV had run a red light, and a large pickup truck had T-boned them in the driver's back door. Okay. And, uh, you know, driver of the pickup truck, he's out walking around, and um, I go to check on the occupants in the SUV. The driver, uh, who's... ETOH positive, uh, among many other things. Um, Explain the ETOH they, for those that don't know. So, you know, alcohol, alcohol on board. Okay. Um, come to find out, he also had vast amounts of narcotics on board. And I checked the back seat. And his 13-year-old daughter was sitting behind him. There's about probably two foot of encroachment on on her door and we do a rapid extrication get her out of the truck and you know get her get her in the rig and dude you know i'm maybe maybe four minutes from the hospital get this little girl on the monitor brother she doesn't have a scratch on her She's got one little trickle of blood coming out of her nose, best I remember. And, but she's just, she's broke all to pieces inside. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to lose this girl. 
that was my first mistake. So we get to working her, um, you know, doing everything we can. But long story short, we get her to the hospital, nothing. And that that's not what bothers me, oddly enough. So as we're walking out of the trauma base, headed back to the truck, PD's bringing in her dad. And her dad looks at me just unaware and goes, is my daughter okay? That is, that, that's the hardest part about that call for me. You know, what, what possesses a person to do that to their child? And, and I know, I know, you know, people out there probably think, oh, well, you know, what about the little girl? Well, it's, it's, it's a multivariable equation. You know, yes, that was part of it. But just the blatant disregard for human life. Yeah. You know, um, I struggled with that one a lot. So, and, 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 and I'm not trying to take away from what you're saying, but in that situation, like, why do you feel like you struggle more with the dad's disregard for life than you do the loss of life or the girl or the kid or... I know it's a multifaceted thing, like you said, but like. I really wish I could answer that question, Eric. You know, I I had a, my my last podcast that that we did on this trauma talks was one that I did called Keep the Body Warm for Mama. And it was very difficult, man. And it, it, it reflected back on how I get angry now whenever I see certain things happen that make me go back to recalling a specific event that I had to deal with, right? I get just angry. And I know I should, yeah, but I can't help it. So it makes me wonder, but that's kind of all in together. But, you know, is it a anger because of something you've seen before that maybe in the military? Maybe right. not, or yeah. what do you think? You know, now, now that you bring that up, I, I, I guess... I guess the trauma that the little girl sustained, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, I told you that, that I had, I had managed to build a partition in my mind with a one way door. And I just, I put all the bad stuff behind that door. And, and the fact, and I guess that's what, what brings that memory back up for me is when I talk about that and how, I have never in my life wanted to hurt a human being as bad as I wanted to hurt that man. And in mm-hmm. that anger, I think just the, you know, when I talk about it, the anger that I still feel for that man, you know, and, and like I said, man, this has been 10 years ago, but the, the anger that I still feel for that man brings the whole call back up for me. Mm. I don't know if you're looking at the comments right now, but Brian Davis just said more <laughs> moral injury. Yeah. What's up, B Ryan? Dude, that that I've never thought of it that way. No, nor I got, have I. Dude, I got cold chills going down my spine right now. I can't hardly take it. And this is what I'm talking about. Like Brian's been there. Brian's another guy who has agreed to be able to come on with us and share some stories. 
and he. I know, I know, I know that dude's seen his fair share too, man. No, man, and you think you, moral injury, Brian? That is, gosh, man, that's impactful. Like I'm like floored right now. I never thought of it that way, because we're thinking about physical injuries that's affected us and what we've had to see and adapt to and overcome. And like you're talking about the disregard for life. That's a whole nother level. But I dude, I'll yeah, be honest with you, I haven't even perceived right now. Well and and and, and I mean, what well, what can I say but but I mean Brian's dead on, man. You know, I mean I mean as 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 advanced care clinicians we always have those things that haunt us, you know, uh, a, a misdiagnosis or, um, you know, something of that nature. But we don't take the moral into account, or we don't think about it at least. And Brian's right. I mean, that's 100% a moral injury. Jeez, man. And I know we got uh, Leah, she checked in here on the chat, and I know you don't know who she is, but she has got some amazing impactful stories that go right along with what brian said you know morally because she can share some crazy things that she shared with me one day but but yes that man i'm just blown away because i haven't considered that side of things no we we all we always think about the here and now man yeah yeah you know we we don't or or three-foot world Mm -hmm. what i mean And, and and i don't know it's just one of those things that unfortunately and i i'm i'm as guilty of it as anybody but we don't think about our own mental health until it's staring us right in the face you know man i had yeah. a i had a a car wreck come into the er one day and it was a little girl who was in a car seat thank god but the car seat wasn't even strapped into the vehicle the parents were just crackheads. They were in the ER all the time, drugs, alcohol, just constantly dealing drugs. I mean, just a stinking mess, man. Had this kid in the back of this car, somehow on a perfectly level road, veer off the road into a gravel lot, turn the car over and hit a light pole. Jesus. And EMS gets there and finds this kid, you know, not even restrained, but in the actual car, just in her car seat. Thank God she wasn't that, or she would have been ejected from the vehicle. And brings this little kid in there, and so we're taking care of the kid, and of course the mom's in there. Who knows where the boyfriend's at? But the mom's in there, and all she can say is what you just said. No, 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 I'll take it back. She didn't even say, how's my kid? She said, where's my cell phone? And I said, excuse me? Where's my cell phone? I said, you need to be worried about your daughter. Don't you hear her screaming and crying next to you? Her exact words were, I don't give a blank about that. Where's my cell phone and where's my boyfriend? Dude, the anger, the anger that I felt, the things that I said and the way that I acted was 100% totally inappropriate, and I get it. But after you've seen those dead babies, those traumatized people that just that are in such need, anger fulfills you. And I think Brian is on it. It's a moral injury. It's like, what's society come to? It's like, it's almost like we see the worst of society in the fields that we're in. Well, and, and you know, Leah just commented, and she's 100% right, man. You know, we think vertical, like she's saying here, but but we live 
horizontal. Oh wow! You know, yeah. I mean that's Leah. That that that's deep. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I told you one time that my dad taught me to be a monster. But he told me how to control the monster. Right. And every man has to be a monster, has to be able to release his monster to protect his own, protect his family, protect his friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, man, I can only think of a, a very few times that I lost control of my monster. And that, that was one of them. Yeah. And, you know, you know, uh, standing in the ambulance bay there, state police officers, you know, county sheriffs, another truck. I could have beat that man to death and they would have never seen anything. And I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, sadly yeah. enough, I, I wanted to. I wanted to hurt that man. Yeah, I, and I was the same way. That, 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 that hurts me more now than I think anything. Is, is the fact that I was so mad I could have took that man's life with my bare hands and not lost a night's sleep over it. And I that maybe that maybe that end is where the actual trauma of that call lies. Is being pushed to that point. You know, I got up, put my uniform on that day to go help people. And at that point in time, I didn't want to help anybody. I think no, no, no. I think you just hit it, and I might be wrong. Brian, Leah, whoever else is here, chime in on this. Do you feel like maybe thinking back on this now and reflecting back on it that you had these feelings of anger, of wanting to hurt this man, kill this man, whatever, because you had such anger? You said it was more projected towards him, but do you feel like it was because you had a loss of control to be able to do your job? Because that was gone, he took that from you? You know, I never thought about it like that. Because I feel like that sometimes in situations that I've been in. I'm like, how dare yeah. you take this innocent person's life that I could have helped? Because people that are logging in right now, dude, they, they didn't hear your your intro podcast of who you are and what you've done the reason why you became a medic was because your friend died in front of you on that motorbike or dirt bike whatever it was and you felt the reason you became a medic so nobody would ever have to live that way again without you helping and intervening and now you come into a situation to where you weren't even given the opportunity you relived that again but now what's this other guy's fault well yeah you you add that element to it you know and and he you, you're you're right i hadn't really thought of it like that he he took that element from me you know in in certain ways i look at the job like i'm there to help you along till god decides if it's time for you to go or not and you know <laughs> he's the ultimate physician man you know, nothing, if, if it's your time, there's nothing I can do. But 
to add that whole other element of just human negligence. I, I had, I, like I said, that's that's been 12 years ago now, and I had not considered that that was the root of the problem. Kind of a connection there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, but and think about your military days, man. Of course, I wasn't there with you, obviously. And you saw things that you can't discuss. You saw things that, you know, you probably don't want to think about again. But like, like Brian Davis said, it's a moral injury. Like, what did you see overseas that somebody else took from you to be able to do anything about? And then you come home away from the war zones and it's happening again. Now, do you feel like do you feel like it's the fact that we're you're out of control or do you feel like, not saying you're a control freak I don't mean it that way but whenever we're in that position it's our job to be in control well you yeah I mean like it's our job to be like I tell people all the time like when you come if Brandon Johnson comes into my ER and you come to me from the car wreck it's not my job to look at you like oh this is Brandon Johnson this is a five stone pro staff this is a paramedic this is a uh, a brother, a sister, a dad, a son, an uncle, or whoever you are, this is not, I don't, I don't, I can't think about that. I got to think, this is a human being with physical structures and bones and tendons and ligaments and muscles and brains and eyes and ears. I got to fix the stuff that's broken and I got to do my job. And I got to, it's well, my I, job to keep you alive. I got to have that, that control of my environment. If something comes in and tries to disrupt me from doing my job, maybe it's, somebody interfering or trying to do this trying to that a, a rowdy you know a, a gang member that wants wants you dead because you were shot up and they didn't finish the job i gotta control you protect you and fix you and if somebody well, that's else has got the, the moral guts to rip that out from under me that's personal well and and that's the thing that that's why we call them patients that's why we don't call them by their first name it is so we have that disconnect and, you know, I let it get personal on that call. So I, I, I essentially give my patient and then her father more of me because I let it get personal. This is, you picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I mean, it's sad to say, but as I said here and, and, replay that call in my mind it's not it's not uh, it's not heartache that I feel it's anger yeah. and I just never I don't know I guess I just hadn't put two and two together but I'm, I yeah, might I, be wrong man I'm no psychologist you know what I'm saying but no no but but you know what this is this is how we deal with it you know man I, I've told you before that and and Brian and and Lee, I know both. I know both of them can speak to this. I I am a Type A personality. I think to be a first responder or work in an ER and control any situation that's thrown at you, you have to be. You may not be a Type A personality in your home life, but when you clock in you pull that type A personality out of your locker or when you put on your uniform that that brings in that that type A personality and I am incapable 
of setting in front of a therapist, so to speak, that has no idea where I come, where I'm coming. All right. Yeah. You know, a, a, a friend of mine once told me, he said, you know, he said, you're going to look up one of these. And he, he's a police officer. He said, you're going to look up one of these days. And he said, you're going to be able to count your true friends on one hand. And he said, every one of those true friends on that one hand will wear a badge in some way, shape or form. Hmm. Because I know I can go to them, you know, you, you're on that hand. Yep. Because I can talk to you about those, you know, these calls and these situations and the anger and, and, you know, cry about it and everything else. And you won't judge me. Never. You know, and, you know, man, there, there's literally a hundred bad calls that I play over in my mind. Um, you know, that, that's just one. Uh, but then you have the calls that just hurt your soul. And those are the ones that I struggle with the most. I think me too. And you said something at the beginning of this. I know Leah, got, she, she got logged in kind of late and she said some other good, excellent comments on here. She talks about, you know, the key to this is knowing that God's in control and about anger being your first or being your step in your grieving process. And that's right. But, you know, you said something on here earlier that said, when you roll out of bed, I don't know how you said it, you, you, she comes out of the bed with you or whatever it was. I had to, I had to roll the little girl out of the bed before I could get up yeah. in the morning. And I, I, I relate to that because it's, it's sad to say, but it's like every single day, I can pre I can say it's probably about ninety five percent accuracy that every day of my life since certain things have happened to me in the medicine medical field, I, I think about them. About ninety five percent of my days. It's not all day long. It's not an overdwelling thing to where I can't function. But something'll happen, something'll trigger it, something'll make me think about something to where it's like, Oh and oh man, like I just hate that or what could I have done there? I see the face. Or I see the the body features, or I see whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? That I just really want to try to to help. You know, or I go back and think like I wish I would have done something different, or whatever. You know. But I, one question I got for you is, and I just now thought about this for myself is like, have you ever wished that you weren't there in that situation? No. Me neither. No. I because never wished that I I, like I wish I never would have been there. Well, you know, man, every bad call, and I'm sure this this applies to the ER as well as it does pre-hospital. But every bad call, you have that give and take. There's something just just horrible that goes wrong in it, but you don't focus on what went right. And and, and it's not till after the call that you realize, hey, you know. I lost one, but this other one made it because I was there and, and, you know, I applied the tourniquet at the right time or I, I, you know, needle decompressed at the right time. You know, you don't think about that. We as, 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 as advanced clinicians, you know, think about the, the ones we lose. We don't focus on the ones that, that we save. 
Yeah. You know, and 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 no, you no, know, I'm no I'm no psychologist, but but you know, I think that's human nature is to focus on what you lose, not what you keep. Yeah, I wonder why that is though, because we've done literally a whole lot more good than we ever have unable to do the good. I don't want to say we've done bad, but we haven't been able to save some people. You know, so why do we yeah. really, why do we really look look at the 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 bad side more? You know, man, I, I I don't know, but I mean, it's it's the bad side that haunts you in the night. You know, you know, it, it's there. It's the it's the bad stuff that you know. When when I climb in bed of a night and turn the lights out, that's that's yeah. the stuff that I think about. You know, uh, Leah came up to me. I was doing a um, a booth in the middle of this town, and and in Lancaster, Kentucky, and I had a coffee booth set up, and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna spread the mission of Five Stone, see what we can, you know, kind of help to grow it, and let people know what we're trying to do, and help people. And it was 100% focused on first responders, our dispatch, our medical people in that line, right? And then this horrible storm came, and I didn't have the weights to hold down my canopy, so I had to stand inside my canopy while everybody else ran away. When the storm passed, my canopy was almost the only one standing. The other ones were twisted and bent and warped and rain broke them down. And when I came out of that canopy and I was one of the only ones standing, I thought, there's a reason why I'm here. So I opened the doors up and one of the first people that walked up was her and her husband. And she said, you want to know about PTSD, you need to understand that missionaries have it too. And I said, what? I never thought about it. My uncle was a missionary for years. And I said, what are you talking about? Oh, man. About? I, and they, they I, got to I tell me. Oh, my gosh. They got to tell me stories of, like, I, I don't want to go into details because I, I don't want to, to, and she said definitely divine appointment, like us meeting that day because it literally changed everything. But well, I don't want to go into stories and give away stuff that she don't want to give away. She's going to come on and do a podcast, too. But I'm talking about straight up murder scenes that they've, yeah. they've seen and had to deal with personally and relive every single day as being the well, only he, hope people have. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just blew my you, mind. And that's where Five Stone you, you, started going more toward trying to support these mission fields as well. Well, and, and I, I mean, think, think about where these people are called to serve. You know, uh, Haiti, the Horn of Africa, you know, I mean, they're, they're still using kid soldiers, mm -hmm. you know, in Africa, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to go much into that, but man, I, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I've got, I've got mad, mad, mad respect for them because I don't know that I could go into a place like that and maintain a godly manner. Yeah. seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that it is in me to maintain a cool, calm, level head seeing that kind of stuff. You know, and this is where what you're saying is deep, man, because, you know, I've recently been approached by a, a whole other organization about going to another country. Again, you know, back, back to the whole thing with, with the missionaries, you know, um, at least in my personal beliefs, you know, there, there's a reason that that 
the good Lord didn't call me to serve as a missionary. You know, he knew that when he made me, he didn't give me the patience, you know, but, yeah. you know, just, just like I'm sure, you know, uh, uh, Lee, Lee would tell you, you know, uh, that, that grand design put me in the position that I'm in, you know, just like the, the grand design for them was to be missionaries. And I, th I think that myself, I'm, I'm guilty of it, letting my past experiences in my job question my faith. But here, here's where I, I, I'm not trying to be argumentative, but here's where I almost disagree with you because I came to this realization literally over the past week when I got re requested from Five Stone to go and do some things. I've always said, you know, my, my grandfather was a pastor. My mm -hmm. uncle was a pastor. My brother, he was even a, um, a chaplain assistant in the military. Then he went on, he was in law enforcement, SWAT, sniper, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I grew up with a strong religious background. I've never in a million days considered myself ever any type of missionary whatsoever because I thought I could never be a pastor. I can never have that resolve. I can never have that calm. I don't have that knowledge and understanding of that in-depth level of the Bible to be able to do stuff. But then it's kind of like I've realized over the past week that there's more things, in my in my opinion, and Leah, please chime in and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm humble enough to, accept, to admit the fact that I'm wrong, but missionaries aren't always pastors. They're not always, there's different things. Maybe it's medical. Maybe it's defense. Maybe it's security. Maybe it's whatever it is. There's all these different levels that a missionary is going to share the mission of helping other people. You know, that's kind of the way that I began to see it, you know, over the past week or so. And I may be wrong, uh, you know, but no, so I'm, whenever, I'm, I'm whenever somebody was like, hey, I need you for this reason, it's like, well, I never even thought about that because I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm not ordained. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have the, you know, to go there and spread the word. But you're doing more than just preaching. You're spreading a witness. You're spreading an example. You're spreading your services for the needs, you know? Yeah, well, she said missions I, literally I mean, I, mean, means as you are going. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so, like you. I'm guilty of thinking it's just carrying the word. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I, I mean, I can I can see how too is you know bringing education and medical and and security and stuff like that. You know, you you would still be you would still be bringing your beliefs with you. You know, I just I hadn't considered it like that. Yeah. She just said on there, you you are a missionary. You yeah, know? I, I guess so. You know, as you go and you support and as you do, you know, you're you're doing good. You know, that's what we do, but. So what what do you have as far as somebody watching this right now or watching this 20 years down the road? They log into Five Stone and they're watching this YouTube channel and they're seeing this interview and they're like, man, I really relate to this guy. What do you have that you can give somebody to make them know that they're not alone maybe or... I guess even more importantly, like before we go there, how has this impacted your personal life? 
your own personal life and not do just be raw unfiltered well, unfiltered you know, like hey it led me to doing this 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 or acting this 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 or whatever so other people don't feel that way or feel like you know whatever you know man it's been a roller coaster ride first off um the the type of person i am um i i i close myself off and I, I don't want to talk about the stuff, and I just let it build up. You know, we talked about, I built this wall, and all the bad stuff I've seen, I, I put it behind this, this one-way door and just pray to God that that wall never comes down. But I didn't consider what toll that was going to take on me. And, you know, you, you stay closed off, and that, that room just fills up, fills up, fills up, fills up, fills up. And then you start looking for other vices to deal with that pain. And, you know, I, like a lot of first responders out there, um, I, I, I went to the means of self-medication. Mm-hmm. You know, um, couldn't go to sleep without a drink. Yeah. You know, and and it wasn't until I realized I had a problem that I went to my buddy, my best friend, and I said, look, man, I have got so much on my mind that's weighing me down that you know, I, I don't want you to think that I was considering the final option, mm-hmm. so to speak. But I knew that it was weighing so heavy on my mind and on my soul that if I didn't talk about it and didn't find ways to cope with the stress, that it was going to push me to a place that I said I would never go. Yeah, absolutely. You know. And, and, you know, man, I, I, after our, after our first podcast, I looked up, um, uh, I looked up some stuff and on the CDC's website, it was done in April of this year, April 6, 2021. Suicide among first responders, a call to action. And uh, it, it, it's it's really interesting, man. You need to give it a read. I'll, I'll shoot you the link when we get done. But, you know, I, I remember thinking no matter how bad it gets, I, could, I would never go there. And I was one of the lucky ones that realized – that if I didn't do something about it, it was going to get to that point. You know, I've buried too many friends. And a lot of them wore the badge. And, yeah. I mean, you know, in the last, even after leaving the buggy, man, um, I left the buggy in 2016. I buried two. Uh, I think I lost you, Eric. Oh, sorry, man. 
No, oh, it's all good. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I. So, I lost a friend of mine in the line of duty. Um, it's police officer. Yeah. And I remember thinking that that was it. I had to get out. And it took me about a year. And I, I remember remember my last shift on the buggy. I thought, my God, I can't wait for this day to be over. You know, this is it. I'm, I'm not going to have to bury any more friends. You know, for, for, whatever, for whatever reason, that's what I thought. And, you know, I mean, we, we can't go into the environment that we work in now. But I buried two. Yeah. That worked with us. Yep. Where you know, where we're at now. Um and of course, you know, Kendra was still working a truck part time. But and I guess that's the whole reason I'm I'm sharing this is if you have a problem, pick up the phone, call your partner, call the chaplain don't let it get to that point yeah you know i mean man you know we could sit here and tell stories of horrible calls from now to when the sun comes up in the morning but the message is still the same you're not alone and the sooner you realize you're not alone you can get that help it doesn't have to be professional help you know I think that's one of the whole big reasons we seek camaraderie is to help deal with the stuff we've seen, the stuff we're seeing, and the stuff we will see. No, I agree, man. I'm gonna you try know? I'm gonna try to put something up here real quick and hopefully I don't okay. mess up our screens any at all. Uh yeah, I just totally butchered all that. Anyway. <laughs> sorry about that. So yes, there's a there's a number that I want to uh, share with people. Don't have a way to get it kind of over on that screen without messing up everything, but it's 1-800-273-8255. Hang on, I mean, I'll, put it, I'll put it in the comments. Oh, that's great, thank you. 1-800-273-8255. That's Hang on. 1-800. Yeah. yeah, hang on a second, man. I think I just uh, got it right here, actually. I can do that. I copied and pasted real quick. Okay. Yep, got it. Boom. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. 24 hours. There's a there's a number right there to call somebody needs something. That's important because without saying too much, you revealed what a lot of people actually think, what a lot of people actually feel and don't want to talk about and don't want to discuss and they feel like nobody relates and nobody understands what they're going through. And well, you know, Eric, we, we've, me and you have talked at length numerous times. And, you know, I, I, I told you the other day that, that I wanted to do this. And, and I've, I've thought long and, long and hard in detail what I wanted to talk about. And, you know, unfortunately, you're going to have those people out there that, that, that watch this podcast or listen to this podcast, you know, and, and they want the blood, guts, and gore stories, you know. But 
my thing is is no matter how many stories I tell and into what detail, the effects that they've had on me are the same. And I want if if one person out there is watching this or listening to it, and whether it's it's now, tomorrow, twenty years from now, I want them to realize that they're not alone. Yeah. That this is a struggle that every one of us fight day in and day out. And that, you know, because I, I'll be honest with you, I don't mean it to sound this raw, but that's what saved me. That in a uh, uh, of a, a healthy vice, you know, that's the whole reason I got into scuba diving. Was I had to take, I had to have something good to look forward to. Yeah. Because the the monotonies of the job, you know, that day in and day out grind is what will just grind you into powder, and you'll blow away with the wind. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I tell this on my other podcast was I realized I had a problem whenever I was eating dinner with my wife and we were talking about the way that we cope with arguments and dealing with confrontation. And she's like, you can just walk away. You can walk away and never think twice about it. And I looked at her, man, we were dressed up. She was dressed up beautiful, nice dress and just, I mean, just beautiful. I looked her, I had a suit and tie on. We were at this nice steakhouse in downtown Louisville and I'm just like, I could walk away and never look back or really even care. Yeah, I'd miss you, but I'd be all right. And I thought, what is wrong with me? That I can just shut something off that easily. And that we have learned to detach from humanity so we can cope with our stresses because we have to deal with the worst of humanity every single day. I still scare myself. Yeah, and we don't want to be that way. Deep inside, we don't. And we know that no. those people watching this don't want to feel that way. But we know how you feel. And so you've got to find, like, I, I went then and I spoke with a counselor. Even though that counselor hasn't been on the front line and I got to vent, she got to be like, she even told me, I've never thought of it this way. Because you all are in it every day until you retire. And she still had a little bit of advice for me that helped me in my situation to get better. And this was one of the things that she said I should do. You know, well, is helping other people. This is kind of my advice, you know what I'm saying, for helping other people cope and understand, you know? Well, and, and, and I, I completely agree with you. You know, that, that's, the, that, that's another big problem is, is the job spilling over into your personal life, you know, and, and affecting relationships and, you know, yeah. myself, myself, you know, I'm, I'm extremely lucky um, with with my better half you know granted i am punching way above my weight class <laughs> but you know she's she's been there she's lived the life and she knows you know she knows if i come in and and of course you know not not now because <laughs> if i come in and i've had a bad day at work well it's been real bad <laughs> but you know she doesn't she doesn't push me about it you know she knows when i'm ready to talk about it i'll talk about it um, you know, man, that's, that's the thing is, is it's still, I wish, and, and I don't want this to deter people when I say this, 
I guess I hadn't realized um, how much I'm still battling. You know, I I just I thought I was getting better, and, and I, I'm I, I am I getting better. You are, yeah, yeah, I am getting better. But it isn't till times like this that you you realize you I'm still battling. Yeah, and that's my goal behind this is not to air out dirty laundry. It's not to do that. It's to open up a platform so people can have a way to discuss. People can have a way yeah. to cope. Well, you know what I'm saying? People can and, have a resource, even if it's me and you talking. Go find that other first responder. Go find a, and seriously, I know this sounds crazy. Go find somebody else who you don't even know that has been on the front line and be like, hey, whatever. Reach out to Five Stone. I'd be more than happy to talk with somebody. I'm not, I'll yeah. tell you straight up, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a therapist, but I'm a resource for you. Let me know what you're feeling, what you're going through. And here's the advice that I got. And here's some resources to help. You know, Leah just, uh, Leah posted there in the comments. She says, what advice would you give me since my job per se is my life? Hmm. Uh, Leah, can, can you expand on that a little bit? I've got a feeling where she's going with it, but I'll let her say it in case I'm incorrect. And brother, this this right here is why I want to do a live stream. Well, this you know, man, right I, I, that people coming into this thing and people posting questions and being like, "What what what do you have for me?" You all have been there. You she right now she understands that we relate. You know what I'm saying? Like this is why we're doing what we're doing, brother. This is worth every and, single and, bit of. It. And that's the thing, man. You know, uh, I really thought I would get on here and just you know tell a handful of my my horror stories and that would be it but what does what does that accomplish i am fighting the battle of the stuff that i have seen on the front line just like thousands of other people out there but the one thing that i have is a support network of people that no matter what time of day you know i can call and say hey man i'm struggling I, you know, the, I got all, you know, I, I, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm really struggling and I have that support network. And I guess that's more important for people to realize that to deal with the stressors of the job, you've got to have that support network. And, and, and I mean, you know, whether that's a, a missionary, a firefighter, a paramedic, a ER doc, you have to have your support network. Yeah, I just now texted her in case you know she the video skipped out or anything too that you know to, she could elaborate a little bit more. Like I said, I got a feeling I know what she's going after, but I don't want to put words in her mouth. So there she goes. There she is, living as a full time missionary. We are emerged twenty four seven. Okay, so she said, uh, living as a full time missionary, we are emer uh, um, emerged twenty four seven, and there is devastation all around us. So what advice would I give her? Find the positive. You know, you you you, you have your faith that that you rely on. Um but there's there's going to be times when you see something so dark and so traumatic 
that it's you're going to question, or at least I, I did. I'm not saying that you will, but I did. I questioned my faith. And I, I had to... I had to just basically throw my hands up and and rely more on my faith. But it, it's it's also important from a personal from a personal security um, standpoint that you surround yourself with good people. Yes. Yes. Um, Absolutely. So, Lee, I wish I could give you more advice. You know, like you like. Like us, you have chose you've chosen to um, serve in a manner where it's going to put you downrange, yeah. and you know when push comes to shove, that's that's what you got to do. Yeah. Is you got to have your faith, uh, and you've got to be strong in that belief. What whatever belief that is, you know you have to be strong in that belief. And you have to trust the man or woman next to you. That's that's at the end of the day. That's the two things that you have. Now I agree with you, man. And I also think that understanding who we are at our core. And I'm not trying to get too deep, but think about this for a minute. Brandon, you, I, Leah, Brian, John, Aaron. All these other people have chosen a life. Chosen, we have chosen a career path to put us 24-7. Now, you can think that, hey, it shuts off when I leave work and come back home, but we just now had an hour and a half long conversation of how that doesn't happen. You know, in her field, this is exactly what she's dealing with because she emerges herself every day with how she can help people that are in devastation, pure devastation. You know, the essence, uh, and Lee, if you're if you're getting to this, and I'm hoping that God's giving me the right words that I feel like to say, but like the essence of Five Stone is to prepare, respond, and serve. That's why we have our motto, prepare, respond, and serve. The essence of Five Stone is because David went to the front line to serve the front line. He didn't go there to fight Goliath. He went to serve his brothers on the front line that's why we do what we do when he got there he saw the need and he wasn't afraid to take a stand and he got the five stones because Goliath had the four brothers right so we have to stick together as the front line and be there for each other so don't think that you know full-time missionary that you're by yourself you've got people like us to talk to you have my phone number call me talk with me let me know what you need get a counselor even though that counselor may not understand and been there totally mine gave me some good advice that helped me overcome and it saved my marriage it really did like it saved my whole family because of a little, a little bit of comedic relief here you're like me you're punched above your weight class yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> It did. It saved. It. it saved everything. And me and Brandon's got each other. Leah, you may not realize it, but you've got all of us here at Five Stone. There's not a person here at Five Stone that would not be willing to have a conversation with you, or go somewhere and talk with you, or meet with you, or whatever that you need. That's 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 our goal. 
And so if you need somebody to talk to, somebody to lend an ear to, somebody to try to relate and understand we've got it, go look at counseling because it can help just from a personal experience. It helped me. You know, well, and, and I, and think I want to take I want to take this opportunity. You know, here here's the thing. Um, Leah, Leah, you know, Eric can forward you on my contact information. You know, I may not be able to tell you how to handle a specific situation, but the one thing that I am is a good listener. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of the times is just talking about your struggle is um, is therapy itself, you know. So absolutely, if if you're struggling with something, reach out, reach out to me, reach out to Eric. You know, that's that's the whole Eric, that's the whole reason I'm here is to watch my brother's back or my sister's back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. See, man, that's awesome, right there. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. And this is, I know this sounds crazy, but this is our first time doing a live stream. I tell people all the time, you know, I created all this Five Stone stuff, not because I needed it financially, or even really because I wanted to do it. To be honest with you, I really didn't want to. God laid it on my heart and said, you're going to do this. Period. This is what you're going to do. And I'll let you know why later. You just do it. And so, well, you know, that's kind of where we are, you know. It's just like we talked about that master plan, man. You know, um, I mean, think about it, dude. How how long you been? How long you been in the medical field? Uh, two thousand and two, something like that. Twenty years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and let's see. You done? Well, you'll see. You you flew for a while. Uh, actually, if you'll remember, uh, I, that's the first time we met. Is uh, when you were flying for evac in Danville, yeah, 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 yeah. I landed you on a scene, and man, that's been, <laughs> you know, I, that's let's see, what would that have been like, two thousand nine? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I flew from 07 to ten. Yeah, yeah, or maybe maybe it was maybe it was in two thousand ten. Um, but you know that that just goes back to that grand design. Is yeah. who would have thought? In 2010, we'd be sitting here talking yeah. about, you know, the the trauma and stressors of the job. Yep. No, I you agree, know. man. Well, dude, I think this has probably been the most beneficial trauma talks that we've ever had. Um, this is going to be, uh, I'll transition and hopefully be able to get this audio off here. Leah, thank you for coming on. God bless you. Thanks, Lena. You. You're awesome. If you need us, let us know. I sent you Brandon's information as well, so let us know if you need something. But guys, this has been an amazing, amazing live stream. I could probably not ever ask for a better one to kick everything off with. Hopefully, we got to help some people. Hopefully, people will go back for many years to come and be able to log into this and listen to this and uh, get get some assistance. So, um, I'm gonna also I'm gonna re-put this uh, suicide hotline back up here. If there's anybody that is struggling. Times are crazy right now. I mean, we're going through some crazy stuff right now in this country. And, um, you know, people need assistance and people need help. So don't ever feel like you're alone. If you need something, you're struggling, there's a number right there for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Reach out to a counselor, reach out to a pastor, reach out to any kind of resources you can find. 
reach out to us here at Five Stone. We'll do whatever we can do to help you guys out. Brother, thank you, man. I know you shared some stuff that you probably didn't want to share, and I dug a little deeper than probably what you wanted me to dig. <laughs> uh, you know, man, it's, did, you know? It, we, we did what we did, and, and you know, like I said, there, there, there are a thousand other stories we could have talked about, but, but this is the one we needed to talk about. Oh, man, I agree, man. You know, Guys, if uh, if anybody's watching this and wants to support Five Stone, you see right here what we do. We've created a, a Patreon account. I just now did it today. People want to log in. There's different levels that you can do to kind of show some support. We're going to be coming up with some exclusive content material for our Patreons. We're going to be able to, to, to do some special things for you guys, whatever level you sign up on. Our Five Stone Frontline Coffee is where it's at. It's gourmet coffee here in Kentucky that helps us to raise funds to give so we can we can serve on the front line. We can help to give back for those people in need and families that are fallen heroes from the front line. A lot of things that we do here at Five Stone, this helps. So um, guys, we would love to to have your all support. Do you have anything else, Johnson? No man, I think I'm good. You know what I say? I tell all my people if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. That's right, man. Check out Brandon's you, uh, his own channel, man. It's awesome. Brandonism. It's hilarious. One of a kind, dude, as you all can tell. I love Brandon. It's not PG-13 like uh, this one is, it's though. It's not quite PG-13, but it's awesome still. <laughs> and I think people should go and check it out. Uh, you share a lot of your knowledge, especially with, like, firearms, things like that, doing some product reviews and different things. Plus, you know, the wall that Trauma built, similar to what we're doing here to reach a whole different other platform. So that's why we do what we do. So brother, appreciate you, man. Love you, bro. If you ever need something, you know I'm here. And um, anything else before we go? No, nah, man, I'm good. Hey, if you need me, holler at me. I sure will, man. Or if you need something. Till next time, guys, we'll catch you later. Later.